Josh Robbins with Beachwood Marketing. Thank you for joining the program today. And one of the reasons we're having you on is to talk about NAEP, the big oil and gas conference happening uh, in Houston. I understand about 12,000 people went this year, and you were one of the attendees. Is that right? I was. How'd it go? It was, it was good. It was good. Uh, definitely every bit of 12,000 <laughs> were there. So. Uh, you know, the, the downturn is not really the word they're using this year, but, you know, it's not the gangbusters days of old type thing, but it's not the downturn years either. So um, good to see 12,000 people. How, how um, interactive was it this year? Were people going through the motions or were there people, you know, actively doing business or people trying to get business? Talk to me about a little bit of the vibes and the themes that you saw on either the floor or any of the places you went. Sure. So, so uh, you know, there was a lot of people out there hustling. There was a lot of people, you know, the, the booths for the most part over the last couple of years haven't, haven't taken up the whole convention center. Uh, they've cut it in half, you know, in 15, 16. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of booths. Uh, this year, I mean, it ran the whole, whole length of the floor. Um, so it was considerably longer than years past as far as, um, you know, folks out there trying to peddle deals. Um, the mood, um, and this is kind of a universal statement, uh, it's, it's just overwhelmingly optimistic. There's so many people down there and, you know, like you said, it's it's not a downturn year. It's not it's not a it's not a boom year. But everyone's just very optimistic about about what the future is going to hold. It's one of those tricky years, you know, to where you have to really reinvent yourself, or maybe have some uh, pretty good you know storage capacity, or good clients, stable clients, whatever it is. Just. It, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of growth, if that makes sense, in the traditional areas, because a lot of the oil and gas companies, they're still going through a lot of their changes. You know, they're getting a lot of the artificial intelligence put in. Uh, they're they're revamping their workforce, so to speak, you know, whether it be from the engineering side or whether it be from the hydraulic fracturing remote side. Uh, there's just a lot of change going on in the industry. So I found that word hustling interesting that you know people are people are hustling out there because that's that was what i kind of thought too is that there's so much innovation and so much reinvention of people's business plans going on hustling is just a great way to describe it is am i making any sense or is it uh you know you were there okay so then i do have at least uh i am listening to some of my interview people i guess Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the big thing down, uh, in eight this year, in my opinion, was there's a whole lot more, um, tech that was highlighted. Um, you know, usually it's, it's drilling info, um, as the tech company and then everyone else is peddling deals. Um, but there was significant amount of, of folks down there that were, um, really focused on developing tech and, and, and the changing oil field to get automated. And I mean, there's, there's so many processes that we still do in oil and gas that are still paper and pencil um, mm -hmm. that, that just need to be automated. And, you know, we're for the most part, 10 years behind the curve when it comes to tech. So it's uh, it was good to see. 
Josh Robbins, Beachwood Marketing. And so do you specialize in oil and gas or do you guys have clients outside of oil and gas and you just happen to be there? Talk to me about Beachwood Marketing. Yeah, no, we are oil and gas specific, uh, oil and gas space. We um, we partner with oil and gas companies that are looking to expand their footprint wherever they are uh, on the on the buy side of of A&D. So we've got a team here in Oklahoma City. Um, we make about 4,000 calls a month uh, to oil and gas operators from California to Pennsylvania, North Dakota, all the way down the Gulf, uh, cover the whole country uh, and track down deals um, that aren't on the market. So we get a box from our clients that says, hey, we'd love to buy you know, this type of asset in this area. And then we go to work. Uh, we we hustle for sure, um, and uh, and go find it. That's what we do. When you say you, you you go find it, are you are you looking for in deals? Is it anything from leases to you know uh, hydraulic fracturing equipment, or what exactly? I guess is it uh, you guys specialize in, or is it the gamut of things? No, no. So we primarily focus on finding operated properties to go buy. Um, okay. We we go in and try to find actual actual wells, uh, oil, gas. Um, we work operated space, non-op space. We play a little bit in the mineral market. However, it's it's um, there's a lot more uh, folks in the mineral market than there are uh, anywhere else. Uh, so we tend to, like I said, partner up with operators that are looking to increase the amount of barrels they have coming out of the ground or acreage to go drill or whatever the whatever the box may be so who would be your customer is it the oil and gas companies or is it the midstream companies or both so it, it is right now it's uh the oil and gas companies um a couple of midstream companies have reached out um because finding deals in this environment uh, as positive and as upbeat as as nape was um a lot of it's um you know, it's, it's not the types of deals that uh, people are looking for. You know, if you want a PDDP producing asset, um, you know, if you want 250 barrels a day, if you want operations at 80% net, that wasn't there. I mean, that, those deals aren't on the floor. Um, and so what we're doing is, is calling the guys that, that own those assets and say, hey, you know, I know you're not selling. You should. This is the time to do it. Um, and so that's that's how we're uncovering a lot of the deals and and uh, helping our clients expand their their current portfolio. So if you talk to that many people over the course of a day, week, month, whatever the case might be, is there a general universal theme to the industry right now, or is there um, certain areas that are seeing more growth than others? I know the Permian and the Bakken are. are are the big ones, but you know, there's the Haynesville and the Eagleford, of course, California, Marcellus, Niobrara. There's all kinds of different shale plays. They might not get as much attention in the media. So, just you know, are, are are you seeing that some of your clients are at least active in these other plays? Are you hearing anything from those other plays? Yeah, absolutely. And and even in the Permian and the Bakken, um, you know, there's always a caveat. Uh, Permian's a great place to own except it's expensive. Uh, it's a great place to own, except there's a differential. Uh, there's a lot of pieces that are playing a part in pushing people out to, uh, you know, 
let's go play in Eagleford. Let's go play in the Chalk. Let's go play in in um, in Kansas. In I mean, in conventional assets, in low LOE, in barrels coming out of the ground. Um, the the general theme uh, industry wide, as far as our phone calls are concerned, is you know upsides, not something that is being paid for. Um, you you know we're going to go out there and do the work so we want to we want to get paid from the upside we don't want to pay the the seller on the upside because we have to go do it but if you as a seller go out there and drill a hole in the ground and make the barrels come out we will absolutely pay you more for that um and that's kind of the general theme okay and Beachwood Marketing, uh, how far along in the marketing do you guys get? Because one of the questions I was going to ask, I mean, if with all the people hustling out there, um, how do you set yourself apart? Because that's really where people are at right now is they're trying to figure out new ways to set themselves apart by showing these people that, hey, we've reinvented our company to X, Y, V, Z, or we can solve your problem that you have here, that sort of thing. Um, do you got any advice on that or do you guys have any secrets or any tactics that you seem to think that works that either you guys stand out or you've seen other people in the industry that are able to stand out? Cause I, I've noticed sure. what you have, you have too. There's a lot of people hustling and I'm trying to figure out if they're moving ahead or if they're just spinning their wheels. Right. Yeah. And there's a, there's a definitive difference between the people that are moving ahead and, and, and spinning the wheels. Um, and, and really, um, I say it all the time. There are people out there that want to sell something so that they can go to Fiji for the rest of the year and not do anything. And in order to do that, you need to make the most of, of whatever it is that you're selling fall into your lap. So as an industry as a whole, um, we've allowed that to happen in the past. And with automated processes and and software and the just the knowledge base of what you can go find right now on your cell phone, it's just it's not easy anymore. There's not there's no easy money. You have to go out there and actually work and and you've gotta be here in twenty fifteen when it's twenty six a barrel. You gotta be here in 2017 when it's 70 a barrel you've got to be here when it's down up uh, i mean you build these relationships and you put on all this work that's gonna that, that'll be the dividend regardless of what kind of work that you're doing or what industry you're in if you're constantly out there building relationships and relationship selling you're gonna win people don't go to Chick-fil-A because the chicken's better. They go to Chick-fil-A because they work on relationships. They say, please, they say, thank you. You feel like you've got a relationship at that restaurant. That's what that they're successful. That that's going to work for everyone. And if you don't do that, especially with 25 year olds that are coming into the workforce, if you're not, if you're not going to do that, then you're not going to have that business. You know, the uh, one guy, he once said to me, uh, Patrick Hughes, that's who it was, Patrick Hughes, the CEO of uh, Prairie Companies, 
made a comment about, you know, you work really hard to break even during the downtime so that you can make a good living during the good times. That's and that, exactly right. and that is the oil and gas industry. It really That's is. Exactly and right. you know what? They've had decades of doubt. Remember the 90s? The 90s was, yep. a, was a low decade of oil prices. I mean, people forget that, that the 1990s was primarily low oil prices and everybody got along just fine and things happened. Yep. And um, I did want to ask you about the industry itself because you, you mentioned the 25-year-olds and there was a big push for millennials. And like most things, anytime there's a big push, you know, there's, there's, there's unintended consequences that come from it and growing pains and you start to learn a certain number of things. And one of the things that came out of this is a lot of the millennials today have, have seemed to come into the workforce with more of, of a social cause than in the past. And that's really caused a little bit of some hesitation in the oil and gas industry because there's such a industry built on respect of the industry. There's such a it's such an industry built on respect and understanding of how the business works. And when you've got some people coming in with either some blind faith or some um, social causes behind them, there's a little bit of hesitation there that they might disrupt that um, called a chemistry set of respect and balance and 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 just the business of making the oil and gas industry work because for an industry that pays more taxes than, than anyone, they probably yep. donate more than anybody too to the local yep. communities. And that is, that, that that's what I mean to where all of a sudden now, if we got people coming in that are just going to overlook that and start being a bull in a China shop, some of the people retiring are a little bit worried about that. And when you've got nearly 50% of the industry retiring in the next five right. years, that's kind of one of those un. Un, untold stories going on in the industry. Are you hearing that with your clients at all, or that there's you know this kind of uh, we got to make sure we're passing the baton off correctly to the next generation? There is, um, but to be honest with you, the guys that that I'm working with are, are you know late twenties and early thirties. Um, you know whether they're private equity guys or they're um, oil and gas companies or their, um, I mean, they're C-suite execs, um, in all aspects of the business. And there are people out there that put the work in and do the job and know the business. And then there's people that don't and they talk. And I think there's a lot more emphasis put on the people that talk than the people that do. And I, I don't think there's going to be this massive social shift in oil and gas because you need the people that are out there that know you've got to, you've got to have that knowledge transfer take place. And I think there's enough, um, I think there's enough drive with the, with this new generation to either learn that skill or figure out a way to replace the need for that skill. You know, why do we have pens in the pumper trucks? We don't need them. You know, get this app, whatever it is, whatever that, whatever that ingenuity is, this business has always been first and foremost to push ingenuity. It's just, how is that going to look in the next 10 years? It's going to look surprisingly different than it has the last hundred. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, they're not slinging chains anymore. Right. Uh, not, not at all. You know, a lot That's of those exactly guys. Right. Yeah, um, exactly right. yeah. I've just noticed there's been quite a vetting process going, 
in a lot of different ways with, uh, like I said, a lot of the industry is retiring right now. And with the advancements of technology, it's like, could you imagine like just the the first five years after automobiles came out? Yeah. I mean, the the, the whole social conversation of safety must have been unbelievable back then when, I mean, when we went from horses to automobiles, because- That's how I feel like right now. The, the the technology advanced so quickly and so fast in the oil and gas industry. Well, I've got guys like John Gibson, the former chairman of One Oak, and uh, Harold Ham, and um, you know, not to name drop, but these are guys that run major companies. When they're telling me they're cha- changing their business plan because of hydraulic fracturing and just technology, that tells you that's a pretty big shift. I mean, from my my perspective. In the media, we saw that with the internet. When the internet came, that made a, that made us change our entire business model. We yeah, had absolutely. to. Yeah, yep. I mean, and in fact, I would even argue the internet was the worst inv- investment any media company ever made because nobody's <laughs> made their money back. That's right. So, so was the idea right. to go out of business because a lot of people did that, to me included, right. back in my former media life. Yeah, we'll put <laughs> a couple hundred grand in the internet without any plan on how to make the money back. But we all did it. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's kind of what's going on in oil and gas. They had right. to, they, in order to stay competitive, they had to move ahead with it. And luckily, they were sophisticated enough to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, um, and, I, yeah. and I think that's what you're going to see. I think, you know, media companies, for the most part, I think you're absolutely right. But, you know, content's king. You still have to be able to write good content. You still have to have mm-hmm. uh, good shows in order to make in order to make it work. And so I think that's going to be what's happening in oil and gas. There's got, there's going to be, you know, yes, is 50% going to retire in the next, you know, five years. Absolutely. Are they going to stop working? Absolutely not. I think you're going to see a hundred times the amount of entrepreneurial business startups that are, that are consultancy based that knowledge is going to have to stay in the business and they they're everyone's going to know it. If you can, and if you can use yourself and your knowledge to go make money there, people are going to do it all day long. And I think this, especially now 2019 when entrepreneurialism is at an all time high, as far as, you know, you don't have to go to work. You've got a cell phone. You can pretty much, you got a Starbucks, you can go sit down, pull up your laptop and you can get things done. Um, and I think that's going to, that's going to shake up a lot of things. Josh Robbins, Beachwood Marketing. Well, kind of wrapping up here a little bit. We talked about the NAPE, uh, not the NAPE. We talked about NAPE down in Houston, Texas, some of the oil and gas as a big tech, tech highlighted this year and optimism down there as well as, um, just some of the ways to stand out and some of the changes that are going on in business. Is there anything that uh, we left out? Anything that you want to reiterate? Uh, anything that we didn't even bring up that you want to make sure gets mentioned? I like to give guests kind of the final word. That way the question isn't framed by me. So the floor is yours if you'd, if you'd like it. Yeah, well, I mean, as always, I mean, if, if you're, if you're an oil and gas company or a midstream company that, wants to track down deals you went to nape or you didn't go to nape because you're trying to hustle it up make something happen and you can't find it um there's a reason Uh, a lot of the deals that happen don't happen on a sales floor they don't happen on a on a convention floor they happen over coffee 
they happen, uh, you know, off market. And that's where we live. Uh, we always say at Beachwood, coffee's for closers. We're always <laughs> drinking coffee over here. So. All right. <laughs> Little uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Love that. All right. 